My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to today's episode of the No Content Podcast. Um, I'm doing something special in the month of April, and this is actually something that I did last year. Um, I, I did a series entitled For This Cause, and what we talked about in that series was the glory of God and how it is for that cause that we are to live our life. And we'll read a, a scripture in, uh, in that uh, vein but I actually felt impressed to do this again in the month of April, and this may be an annual thing. This may be something I do every April, um, because there's there's some deep things that we get into in these podcasts, and there's something special on them, and I have a lot of reverence for this time, um, just because last year some really good things had come out, and the biggest thing is just wanting a manifestation of the glory of God, wanting a manifestation of His presence and when you set your expectation on something specific, just like when you come to a conference or something like that, there are special times. And so um, I, I'm believing for manifestations of the glory of God in these next four podcasts that I'm going to do throughout the month of April. But I felt impressed to do this, and so um, we're going to do this series again. Uh, entitled For This Cause, and I'm excited about it. I'm believing for good things. Let me pray, and then we'll get right into it. Father, I thank you for this uh, series that you've put on my heart. Father, I thank you for the truth that is found in your word, Lord. I, I, I remove any excess agendas, any excess ulterior motives, or anything like that that would try to influence these messages, Father, and I ask you to help me to just stick with the word, and stick with the Spirit, Father, not to get off into this thing or that thing or this opinion or that opinion, but, Lord, to just stay in track with you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that throughout this series, you would bring comfort, you would bring correction, you would bring edification, and you'd bring encouragement, Father. And I just thank you that as we spend time in your Word, Father, as we spend time looking at the perfect law of liberty and continuing in it, that our souls are restored. Your word is perfect, restoring the soul. And Father, I ask you to help me and each listener to receive with humility the engrafted word, which is able to do that. And we just plead the blood of Jesus over these podcasts. And Father, I pray that they would go to just the right ears and that those ears would be opened to hear what the Spirit is saying to them specifically. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the beginning here, I, I wanted to address something because one of the things we're going to be talking about in this series is the difference between the cause of Christ and the causes of men. The agenda of the kingdom of God and the agendas of men. We talked about this a lot last year. And, and we had addressed some things that had happened politically and some things that the church has gotten off in politically and how the agendas of men have tried to find their way into the church and how God doesn't 
use his glory to sustain something that's not for his glory. He doesn't use his power to sustain a cause that's not his cause. And this is something we have to stay on constant guard against. And, and it's kind of ironic because here we are a year later and some of the same issues are still coming up and some things. And, you know, it's never about taking this side or that side. We're going to do uh, a podcast about this after this, I think. Um, who is on the Lord's side? That's the question we want to ask. It's not about, am I on this person's side or this person's side or this thing or that? No, no, no. He said, come out from among them and be separate. And we're supposed to be on the Lord's side. Moses asked the people in the book of Exodus, he said, who is on the Lord's side? And that's the thing that we want to always ask ourselves. Are we on God's side? And that eliminates anything that is a loyalty crisis. You know, I talked about this in a former Verity Vitamins, but that eliminates the loyalty crisis. If we just say, hey, I want to be on God's side. And how do we stay on God's side? We do what he says to do. We keep his commandments. That's how we we keep ourselves in, in a safe place. And something I just wanted to mention to you, you know, in Matthew 7, it talks about he who hears my sayings and does them is somebody who builds their house on a rock. And when the storm came and beat upon that house, it stood. And then he talked about people who built their house on the sand. And the winds came and the floods beat on that house and it fell because it was built on the sand. Well, what is that? That's not doing what you heard him say. That's not keeping his commandments. That's not building on a foundation of hearing and doing his word. And I mentioned this previously in last year's series that, you know, it's kind of like Indiana Jones, you know, there was that golden head thing and he replaced it with the bag of sand. And what happened? Everything came crashing down. Well, that's what it's like for us a lot of times, not a lot of times, all the time, if we build on a foundation of of faith that's more precious than gold, then it'll stand through the storm. But if we're building on the sand of man's agenda, it's going to fall. And you notice that it's about hearing his sayings and doing them. That's what matters. But many of us, and this is how I felt like the Lord put it to me. I woke up early one morning and I felt like I heard this in my heart. Many people are building on a foundation of what is their right rather than what is God's word. I'm going to say it again. Many people are building on a foundation of this is my right rather than this is God's word. Uh, Whether it's the written word or whether it's them receiving a word from the Lord in what they're going out to do, what they're endeavoring to do, not receiving a word from the Lord, not going out on a word, not building their life on the written word. Many people are doing what they feel is their right rather than what is a word. Don't trade a word for a right. Don't trade this is a word for this is my right. You got to watch out about that because that's sand. And when you try to go out on that, eventually it's going to get tested. It's going to go through the storm and it's going to go through the fire. And that's what's going to reveal the substance of it. And so that's just something I wanted to say here in the beginning. Beware of going out on your own rights. This is my right. This is what I have a right to do because that's not a word. And that's not a foundation that will stand through the storm. That's man's agenda. Uh, One of the anthems of man's agenda is this is my right. But if you're following God and following his plan, it's based on what is the word 
of the Lord. So that's just something I wanted to mention in the beginning here before we get started. This has been our text for this series. It was last year and it will continue to be. And we're going to build on this foundation. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 and starting in verse 5, he says this, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. So I'm not preaching myself. I'm also not preaching my agenda. I'm not preaching my thing. I'm not trying to use scripture to push my thing. I'm not preaching me. He said, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I did a message last year in this series entitled Persecuted for His Glory, and I got into what it means that the glory is revealed in the face. And if you haven't heard that, you can go back and listen to that. But he goes on to say, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So he said, we've got this glory on the inside of us. But but notice what what happens next, that's being tested. See, whether or not the glory of God is sustaining your cause is going to be tested. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. Now we're going to get into that more in the last podcast of this series. He said, uh, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Now, I'm releasing this on Easter Sunday, and so there's a lot in this time of year about resurrection and Jesus' resurrection, but, you know, we want to be careful about treating Resurrection Sunday as a remembrance rather than an awareness day. Oh, come on. Uh, We don't want to just treat Resurrection Sunday as a remembrance day as much as it is an awareness day. You know, you have these days about, you know, this disease or this thing. It's this awareness day or this awareness day. Well, Easter needs to be Resurrection Awareness Day. I said it last year, I'll say it again. It needs to be Resurrection Awareness Day because it's not just about what Jesus did. It's about what is true now because of what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to raise up you also. I'm going to raise you up also. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you and he will quicken your mortal body. Amen. Glory to God. Raised up from the dead. It's Resurrection Awareness Day. So don't let Easter just be, uh, oh, it's just a remembrance day. We do, no, 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 no. It's Resurrection Awareness Day. Praise God. Glory to God. He said, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound 
to the glory of God. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the glory of God, what is manifesting His glory, what is giving Him the glory. The glory is the presence of God. It means heavy with everything good, but it's not just the presence of God, it's the face of God. See, this is what we got into last year. He said it's revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. It's who he is. It's his essence. It's his substance. This is the deep part of him. What it is, is intimacy with him. Uh, You know, people talk about intimacy with God, but see, you can't have real intimacy with God through your emotions. You know, you have intimacy with God through the Spirit. Now, your emotions can be involved, and that's fine, but you can't have real intimacy with God through your emotions. Your emotions can be affected by it, but, but those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You, you see, and so it's intimacy with Him. It's experiencing Him. It's seeing Him for who He is. That's what it is to experience the glory, to really bask in the glory. What did He say to Moses? He speaks to me mouth to mouth. And yet... Moses wasn't even allowed to see the face of God, but we are, because we behold the face of glory through Jesus. You say, well, we can't see Jesus. Yes, but we are intimate with Jesus. We are intimate with his spirit. We are intimate with the Holy Spirit, and that's better than seeing a physical face. You know, that's better than looking at the Shroud of Turan is is realizing that I have this treasure in earthen vessels that manifests on the inside of me when I am walking out and seeking this cause. Look at the next thing that Paul said. He said, for this cause, we faint not. That's the title of this series, for this cause. And he said, for this cause, we don't faint. When your cause is seeking and hungering for the manifestation of the glory of God, for the purpose of giving the glory to God, that is a cause that God can sustain and see to it that you are quickened and that you won't faint. If you will, if you will continue to seek that cause, not the agendas of man, not the sand, not the, 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 the brass, you know, not trading the gold for brass. If you won't seek that, then we're about to read this. But those who seek God's things, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And they'll mount up on wings like eagles. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're about to read that scripture. But we don't faint. We're renewed day by day. He, he says this. He said, for though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That means even if that persecution's coming against you, I'm renewed day by day. What did he say? He said, we're pressed on every side. We're troubled on every side, but not distressed. Why? Because we're renewed day by day. We're, we're, we're perplexed, but not in despair. Why? Because we're renewed day by day. Something came against us. Something is pressing against us, but we're renewed day by day. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Why? Because I'm renewed day by day. I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Why? Because I'm, I'm renewed day by day. You know, that's interesting. He said, cast down, but not destroyed. You know, the Bible said Satan seeks whom he may devour. 
Jesus, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Paul told Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But did you know that the Bible did not say all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall be destroyed or devoured? Come on. Why? Because I'm being renewed day by day. Why? Because I'm seeking his cause. I'm seeking his agenda. I'm seeking his will. And it's for that cause. I faint not. He goes on to say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Weight of glory. W-E-I-G-H-T. Weight of glory. In other words, the glory of God is outweighing whatever this is that's coming against me, whatever it is that's trying to persecute me, whatever it is that's trying to discourage me. The glory of God weighs more. That's why it's sustaining me through it. It weighs more. Paul said the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. See, a lot of times people say, well, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it to put in the blood, sweat, and tears. It was worth it to invest that money. It was worth it to invest that time. But that's not what Paul said. He said it's not worthy to be compared to the glory. In other words, my whatever it is that I gave up, whatever it is I sacrificed, whatever it is I endured, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory. Why? Because it weighs more. It's not equal in value. It's not an equal trade. That's why... His yoke is easy and his burden is light because what's on the inside of us is not equal to what's coming against us. It's greater. What did he say in 1 John 4? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise God. I sense his presence already in this podcast. I sense his glory already in this podcast. Praise God. He's helping me. The glory of God. Praise the Lord. He said it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. Somebody say what is seen is temporary. If you want to say it, if you don't, then don't say it. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's comparing what is seen with what is not seen. And what is seen is temporary. What is not seen is eternal. What happens in the spirit endures, but what is happening in the flesh is not going to endure. When Jesus spoke to that fig tree and he left and came back, it was withered up by the roots. Well, when he spoke to it, it, it may not have happened immediately, but something happened in the spirit. And something was cut off spiritually that caused it to wither up. Now, it happened quickly. But the Bible says when they came back, they saw it had already withered up. So it happened quickly. But what was seen didn't was temporary, but what was not seen was eternal. There's something here. We're going to get into this at the end of this podcast about what is seen versus what is not seen. The spirit versus the flesh. Uh, earth versus what happens in the heavenlies. This is what we're going to get into. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 27 says this, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, and this is the quote, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. This reminds me of Psalm 13. He said, Lord, how long will you forget me? He said, he said, why are you saying 
my way is hidden. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And my just claim is passed over by the Lord. Uh, there's no justice. You know, um, maybe he, you're experiencing false accusation or maybe there's something that you feel like is not right or something that's not that's happening that is not right. And he's like, how long is my just claim going to be passed over? I'm not getting justice. What's ha- what's what's happening is not right. The truth is not being seen in this. He said, why are you saying that? He said, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. See, this is why I want to be on his side. <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to just get God to be on my side. I want to align myself with him. I want to be on his side. Why? Because he doesn't faint. He doesn't get weary. So if I'm aligned with him, what's going to happen to me? I'm not going to faint or get weary. I'm going to be renewed day by day. Why? Because I'm with him. I'm on his side. I'm abiding in the vine. I'm seeking his cause. So I'm partaking in what is true of him, which is he doesn't faint. He doesn't get weary. It says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Mm -hmm. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What are we talking about here? Seeking the cause of the glory of God, being with him, forsaking the agendas of man and focusing on serving the Lord, being with him waiting on the Lord. If you do that, what's going to happen? You'll renew your strength because you waited on him. And you're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk and not faint. You're going to increase your strength. Why? Because you waited on him. You waited on him. Now we're going to talk about this, but there's two versions of waiting. There is waiting for the glory of God to manifest, and there's also waiting in the glory of God manifested. Oh, come on. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, In Psalm 27, let's read most of Psalm 27. Let me just tell you, you've already seen this, but the title of today's message is The Weight of Glory. But not weight as in W-E-I-G-H-T, W-A-I-T, the weight of glory. Uh, Yes, there's a play on words there, but this is what I thought the Lord quickened to me. There is a waiting that's involved with seeing the manifestation of the glory. There's also a waiting that's involved in receiving strength from the glory when it's manifested. Not getting in a hurry, not moving away from it. Ah, there's some things here. You know, Moses stayed up on the Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights and didn't eat or drink. Why? Because the glory was sustaining him. Did you know the Bible said that Jesus went up into the wilderness being filled with the Spirit and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And do you know that it says that he was afterward hungry? Oh, come on. You got to pay attention to what the Bible actually says. 
people get the idea that Jesus was suffering for 40 days and 40 nights. That's not what it said. There's a reason why Satan came after to tempt him. Now, there was some temptation going on during that time, too, because one verse says that he tempted him during that time. But the major temptations came, I'm saluting, uh, the major temptations came after he was hungry. See, it says after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Why? What was happening during that time? The glory was sustaining him. Ooh, come on. And, and it wasn't until afterwards that the enemy tempted him. Look at this. In Psalm 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Now, to me, this feels like another version of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, but we're per persecuted. We're uh, troubled on every side. But he said, uh, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war may rise against me, and this will be confident. Now, if you do what God tells you to do, is war ever going to rise against you spiritually? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Paul said, there is a, an open door unto me, and there are many adversaries. He didn't say there was a couple of adversaries. He didn't say there were one or two. He said there are many adversaries. He said, in this will I be confident, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me up high upon a rock. So, he said, one thing I've desired of the Lord during this time of war coming against me, persecution coming against me, there's only one thing I care about right now. That's getting in the presence of God. Oh, come on. That's waiting in the presence of God. Why? Because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's, that's the, see, see, Jesus told Martha, he said, one thing is needful. You're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Ooh, come on. Praise God. He said, he'll hide me in his pavilion in the secret place. He'll hide me. He'll set me up high upon a rock. Now, now why is that significant, being set up high upon a rock? Me and my fiance were recently uh, hiking, and there's this watchtower that you can walk up into, and you can see all of Branson, Missouri, where we live. And we were up there looking over this terrain and just looking at, at all of Branson. We could see everything. We could see my, my little apartment building over there. We could see our church. We could see all these things. And what was interesting about it is that from that vantage point, Everything looks so tiny. Ooh, come on. Everything looks so small. <laughs> because we were set up high. Oh, come on. Do you see that? But whenever we're down there, whenever we're down there by the church, whenever we're down there, 
by the big giant King Kong statue. It looks big. Oh, come on. Are you listening to me? It looks big. But but from that vantage point, it don't look so big anymore. Oh, come on. What did Paul say? These light and momentary afflictions. Oh, come on. Why would Paul see persecution as light and momentary? Because he's set up high upon a rock. He's got a bird's eye view. He's got a better vantage point. He's seeing things, watch this, the way God sees them. And that's why he saw them as light and momentary. Now, we're going to get some more into that in some later podcasts during the series. But seeing things the way God sees them, they don't hold so much weight to us. They don't carry so much weight with us. Why? Because we have his perspective. And so a lot of times what seems so big is not, is not so big from the right perspective. And he said he'll set me up high upon a rock and uh he went on to say now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me therefore will i offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle i could do a whole podcast on sacrifices of joy a lot of people think about sacrifice as something that's sad but can i tell you that a sad sacrifice is not an acceptable sacrifice to the lord no, God likes sacrifices of joy. Ooh, come on. He likes sacrifices of thanksgiving. Uh, well, okay, we won't get into all that right now. But notice this. He said, I'll sing to the Lord. He said, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. What are we talking about? The face. What did we read in Second Corinthians that the face is? The glory. He said, I'll seek your face. And then he said this, don't hide your face from me. Don't turn away in anger because you've been my help. Don't leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now, there is a lot of significance about the face. You know, facial expressions can say a lot. You know, if there's people that you care about or you love or they're important to you, their facial expressions can mean a lot to you. And, you know, people can look at you in a, in a wrong way or a bad way, and it, it, it's, it affects you. The face can affect you. But, you know, we need to learn to discern God's facial expressions. But we can't see God's face. So how do we know if God has a happy facial expression toward us, if his facial expression toward us is positive, and what's manifesting? If the glory is manifesting... That means God's got a smile on his face. Ooh, come on. I know I'm doing the Elijah Merle thing. I can't help it. I, I just, you know, he's my buddy. But, 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 you know, it's his face. The glory manifested is his face. And, and he's saying, don't, don't hide your face from me. Don't turn away from me. In other words, don't take the glory away. Don't let the glory diminish. See, we need to live in such a way that not only... Uh, pursues the glory, but protects the glory. Because there are some things, although God loves us and, and he, he, he wants everything to be good for us, his will toward us hasn't changed, that we, ha- we have to be more protective over the glory because God can't manifest his glory in every environment. When there's, when there's disrespect, when there's dishonor, when there's wrong things being yielded to, a lot of times he can't manifest himself the way that he wants to. When there's agendas of men coming in and taking place, 
and taking precedence. Now, nobody's perfect, and God's not requiring perfection. He, he, he meets us where we're at. He knows our heart, and he, he, you know, he knows what light we have, and He does manifest Himself, but there are some things that He won't manifest Himself as much in an environment where He's not honored and not respected and not valued. And so it's not that He's mad or, or angry with us necessarily, but when the glory is withdrawing itself, we can sense God's facial expression. Oh, come on. I'm just I'm seeing some of this stuff for the first time. When the glory is withdrawing himself, he, he's you, he's kind of got that cringy look on his face. You know, I, <laughs> just to use a word from this generation, cringy. That's that's an accurate word. Cringy. It just, uh, you know, you ever heard somebody say something and you're like, ooh, you know? Well, there's some things that are cringy to the glory. <laughs> That it's like, ah, I love you, but, uh, you know, and, and, and his facial expression has to do with the glory, what's manifesting itself. The more the glory is manifesting, that's God's way of saying, I'm happy. My, he's got a smile on his face. Do you see that? And he says this, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Now that could be because of rejection. It could also be because of departing. You know, that word forsake can also mean just to depart. So that could be somebody dying and leaving and moving to heaven or whatever the case is. But there's a, there's a space that's been created. And now the Lord is going to fill that space. He's going to take care of me. He said, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. But look at what he said here. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, that's waiting for the glory to manifest in a situation. But then he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That has more to do with waiting in the glory, waiting in his presence, waiting in him, waiting on him, depending on him. There's a waiting for some things to manifest. There's also waiting in some things that are manifesting, waiting in his word, waiting. And you don't have to wait for a conference to happen before you can wait on the Lord. You can open the Bible and wait on the Lord. You can sing to the Lord, just you and God, and you're waiting on the Lord. You can manifest Him by acknowledging Him, by, by looking to Him in your time of trouble. That's waiting on Him. And no, you're not going to feel it right away. No, not everything's going to feel perfect immediately. But that's what the waiting is all about. Praying in the Spirit, giving it time. Giving time to the Lord. Waiting in Him, waiting on Him. What did He say? Seek my face. There's a pursuit happening. There's a waiting. There's a, there's a not getting in a rush. Not being in a hurry to get away from the presence of God. Spending time with Him. This is how you're strengthened and renewed while you're waiting for the manifestation of the glory in a situation. To see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Now let's, let's move on here talking about this waiting on the glory and waiting in the glory. John 11, we'll, we'll actually talk about this in our last podcast, 
But we see the story of, of Lazarus and Mary and Martha when Lazarus was sick and how Jesus responded to it. And this is always appropriate because of Easter. But it said in John 11, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And said, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. So immediately this is pulling on Jesus' heart because <laughs> he loves Lazarus. The, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, you have to understand what he's saying here. He did not say that God put this sickness on Lazarus because it was going to glorify him. No, he said it's not going to end in death. It's going to end in the glory being manifested. Now, you see the contrast. If it had ended in death, would God have been glorified through it? No. God was glorified in the healing. Now you say, well, Ben, it did end in death. No, it didn't. Just because Lazarus died didn't mean it ended in death. Now there's a whole thing we could talk about in that. We will talk about it. But I'll just say this. Just because something ended in death doesn't mean that it's too late for God to be glorified. Oh, come on. He's going to be glorified. It's, it's not over, babe. <laughs> It's not over. It's not over. Um, it says that when, uh, when he heard this about Lazarus, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea. Now, when somebody calls you, or comes to you and says, hey, this person is sick. You need to come right now. You need to come right now. You need to do this. You need to do that. Or our pressure is brought on you. you got, we got to come right now. Don't, you got to come right now. You gotta, we got to do this right now. Hey, that's the time to press pause on everything. Not being moved by pressure. Not being moved by people wanting you to hurry up or, or this thing pressing on you. Jesus stayed where he was for two days didn't move, didn't do anything. I don't even know what he did in that time. He may have just slept. He may have taken a nap. I don't know, but he stayed where he was for two days. This is important. This is a part of the weight of glory, not getting in a rush, not getting in a hurry, not being too quick to say things and to move and to respond. Why? Because if anything's going to change in the situation, it'll be because the glory of God manifested. And so I'm not just rushing to the scene just to be doing something. No, I've got to hear from him. And in some cases, people want you to do things, and it's like, I don't, I don't know that I have any place to do that. I don't know that I have, have an open door to do that. I'm not just going to come and pray and do something just as a token thing. See, that's what we got to understand. We shouldn't just do things as token things. You know, we see this in John chapter 2 with the water being turned into wine. His mother had come to him and said, hey, they're out of wine. And he said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My time has not yet come. Do you see that Jesus was not pressured by time? He said, my time hasn't come yet. 
Now, apparently his time came right after that. But why? Because he waited on the Lord. That tells me that just because you're waiting on the Lord doesn't mean you have to wait a long time. And I'll tell you this, patience is not about waiting a long time. It's about waiting until you get a word. Oh, come on. That's what it's about. Waiting until you know what to do. If you don't know what to do, then don't do anything. You do what you know to do. The Bible said, he who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. You got to wait on the Lord. You got to wait until you hear from the Lord about things. Don't just rush into things. Don't just just blaze into things. And you got to know, I've got an open door. Jesus himself said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, that I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him. In many cases, there's not even an open door for you to come in and pray and do some things. So it's not your job to just bust in and and come in and just, oh, I'm just going to deal with this situation. If Jesus won't come in without an open door, you shouldn't go in without an open door. And so you have to have that. And, and, And you notice something. I'm kind of going on a side journey here, but in in James chapter 5, it said, If any man's sick, let his mom call the elders of the church. Uh-uh. Let, let, let his aunt call the elders of the church. No, it said, let him call for the elders of the church. Why is that important? Because if I'm going to manifest something, I'm not, not me manifesting it, but if I'm going to have a manifestation of the glory of God in a situation... I can't just do it of my will, I, and, it's, and obviously it's God's will for people to be healed, but their will is involved. There has to be an open door to it. Like I said, God won't manifest His glory in just any environment, even though He wants to, even though it's His will to do it. But people's will is involved. They have to open the door. This is why you don't just rush into a thing or blare into a thing. And so we see here that he said, we're going to go to Judea. And they said, uh, Rabbi, the Jews sought to stone you there. Are you going there again? And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. In other words, when you have light, it's time to go. When you have light, it's time to walk. When you have light, it's time to move forward. You know, if, you're, if you have darkness, don't walk forward because you're going to stumble. But when you have light, it's time to move. It's time to go. Why? Because there's only 12 hours in the day. Don't waste time once you have light. Don't sit around once you have light. But if you don't have light, you wait until you see the light of this world. Come on. He said, our, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. We'll get more into that. Uh, at a later time. But without reading all of this, you see that uh, he went and they said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. There's some, there's a, a hint of accusation in that. If you had been here, why weren't you here? If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened or that wouldn't have happened. Or that, if you had been here, you should have been here. But is there any faith in that? Uh, first of all, what does it matter? What's done is done um, either we're going to believe for a miracle or it's over. So what does it matter what could have happened or should have happened? or What, what does that matter? A lot of times that's a result of bitterness in a situation and looking for somebody to blame. And, and that doesn't get any manifestation of the glory of God. They said, Lord, if you had been here. And he, he said, 
Did I not tell you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And we, you know the story. He, he prayed in the, the, the Holy Spirit. He groaned in his spirit. And he got something from the Lord. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And they rolled away that stone. And he came out. He raised from the dead. And everybody's happy. But why did it happen? Because he waited. He waited. There was a wait involved with this resurrection glory that happened. There was a wait involved with waiting for the glory to manifest. And listen, let me just encourage you. If you've had a loved one, go home to be with the Lord. It's not over. It's not over. And you say, well, why didn't God raise them from the dead? You're talking just like Mary and Martha. If you had been here, and they even said this in the passage, could not this man who healed the sick have, have kept him from dying? you got to watch out about this. Well, why, why didn't God keep them from dying? Why didn't he raise them from the dead immediately? You're getting impatient. There are many cases in which God has raised people from the dead immediately or kept them from dying, but it's not all up to him. There's a weight involved in the glory of God. And so if somebody has gone home to be with the Lord, listen, there's a small little weight involved but it's not over. He is the resurrection and the life. And if you'll believe, you will see the glory of God. You will see them again. They will be raised to life. And it's not just about when they're going to be raised. They're going to be. And you have to determine, I believe that no matter what. I believe that no matter what. But what does it have to do with your perspective? You being up on that high tower, seeing things the way he sees them. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let me, let me move on to something else here, um, just to be respectful of time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this, Do you not all know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Somebody say receives the prize, if you want to. If you don't, then don't say it. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now, this is kind of getting into our next podcast, what we're going to be talking about. But he said, run in such a way that you may receive the prize, that you may obtain the prize. See, many people are not doing things in such a way that's actually going to get results because they get in a hurry. They get in a rush. They don't wait on the Lord about how to do things and what to do. They don't get the plan from the Lord. They move too quickly or they move past something, and then they don't obtain the prize. They did. So they, it was a token prayer. It was a token thing. They laid hands on them. They did it, but but there wasn't any result because it wasn't done in such a way that you may obtain. Do you see that? It says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, but they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. I'm not doing things just for appearances. It's not a token thing. I, I, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. If I'm going to do this, I want to do it to get results, not to beat the air. Let me say it to you this way, how Brother Keith Moore put it one time. If you'll be more selective you will be more effective. If you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. And, and let me make this statement to you. Too many people are beating the air with uncertain prayer. 
They're beating the air with uncertain prayer. See, you got to be confident. David said, in this will I be confident. You've got to be confident about what you're stepping out in. Why? Because when you're stepping out on something, when you're going to do something, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be things that might seem contrary, and you've got to get it settled in your heart ahead of time. That even if there's rough sailing, even if there's opposition, even if I don't see it right away, what did we read earlier? We don't look at the things which are seen, they're temporary, but we look on that which is not seen. That my eyes are on the prize. My eyes are fixed. I am steadfast. I am not going to waver about this. I'm not going to go back and forth about this because I've received a word from the Lord. I've received something from him. I waited long enough to get something from him and I'm following that path. And even though there's persecution, even though there's resistance, even though there's false accusation, even though there's a lack of manifestation, whatever the case is, I've got the confidence in my heart that I'm going to obtain the prize at the end of this. Do you see that? There's there's some more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Precision in this. That I'm, I'm not just doing things, I, I'm not using the shotgun method. Uh, you know, it's like the difference between a shotgun or a sniper rifle. <laughs> you know, a shotgun, a scatter gun, you know, a lot of times in the West they'd use scatter guns. You know, they have a lot of small... Um, bullets in this scatter gun and it just shoots everywhere and just hopefully hits something but a sniper rifle is precision it's like american sniper you know it, it, you gotta you gotta you gotta lick your finger and feel the wind you know you, you've got to to move it three clicks to the right you've got to you've got to readjust and and and, and check your gauges and do that what this is precision this is precision. This is what we're talking about here. It takes some patience. It takes some waiting upon the Lord. It takes some checking and getting the plan. And it doesn't mean you're not at war. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't have enemies. It doesn't mean they're not going to shoot at you. But there's some, watch this, strategy involved in this. See, this is what everything that happened in the life of Jesus was this way. God was strategic. He was strategic with who he chose to be the mother of Jesus. He was strategic about who was the stepfather of Jesus. He was strategic in telling Joseph to go to Egypt for this amount of time. He was strategic about each disciple. And, and Jesus was this way during his ministry. He said, there's going to be a donkey tied at this place. Go get that donkey. He didn't just say, go get any donkey. It was strategic. And, 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 and we're not, you know, with maturity as a believer, we learn more about the strategies of God, that, that things are not so generalized and so generic anymore. Um, being in the perfect will of God has to do with following God's strategies. I think this is a part of why Jesus said that the way to life was a narrow road. That, that few find. Why? There's some strategy in this. It's not just whatever. It's not just, you know, the, the, the thing that everybody does. It's not generic. And I said this before in another podcast. We have to be careful about taking things that Jesus said that were specific and making them generic. That's a whole other thing. But anyway, we need to be more specific. We need to be more strategic in, in seeking the plan of God. And that's how you get more results. If you're more selective, you'll be more effective. Now, look at this in uh, over in uh, 
Matthew 16, starting about verse 13. We're almost done. It said, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, other Jeremiah. Now, first he asked what men were saying. Now, that's significant. He wanted to know what people were saying. But then he said this, Who do you say that I am? Why is that significant? Because this is drawing a line between what men say and what they are saying. He's gauging something here. He's wanting to know how influenced they are by what people are saying. Ooh, come on. He wants to know how influenced they are by what culture is saying. Ooh, he wants to know how influenced they are by the popular narrative. And notice what happened. Simon answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Oh, come on. Peter said what he heard the Father say. And that pleased Jesus because he, he, in this moment with Simon, Simon's not clinging to what culture is saying. Climate, Climen, Simon is not following the popular narrative. He's hearing from God for himself, and, and he's identifying something about Jesus. And he's saying that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And notice what he said. He said, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, you got to understand this. There's two words used for rock here. One is big rock, one is little rock. The word used to describe what what Peter had said is big rock, and the word used to describe Peter's name is little rock. He's not saying, not little rock, Arkansas, you understand, but he's not saying that this is built on Peter. He's saying it's built on the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ. But, A rock is steadfast. It's unwavering. And what I do believe Jesus was saying is that, like this revelation, Peter, that's what I'm speaking into you that you will be. Steadfast. Unwavering. What did he say? He said, Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And so, uh, real quick, I'm going to hold my place here. We're going to come right back to it, and I'm going to go to Isaiah 50, verse 7. Just want to point something out to you about this rock, this unwavering, this steadfastness. Uh, He said, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. That means rock. And I know that I will not be ashamed. I'll not be disappointed. In other words, I'm set... I've got something from the Lord. I'm steadfast. I know where I'm going. It reminds me of in Luke 9 where it says Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem and the people didn't receive him because of it. There's this setting. There's this, I'm fixing my eyes on the prize. I'm steadfast. And the Lord's going to help me. And I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be ashamed. It says, he is near that justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? He said, they'll all wax old as a garment. 
The moth will eat them up. Why? Because I'm on the rock, they're not. I'm standing on the rock, but they're following the agendas of man, so it's going to be revealed in its lifespan. Uh, it's going to be eaten up by the moss. It's going to wax old. It's not going to be sustained. But if I'm standing on the rock of what he's revealed to me, of his word, then I'm going to stand through the storm. I'm going to obtain the prize. Do you see that? It says, Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord, and watch this, stay upon his God. In other words, wait upon his God. This is how you set your face like a flint. This is how you stay steadfast. And I believe this is what God is speaking into Peter, what Jesus is speaking into Peter by calling him rock. He's speaking this into him. He's saying as strong and foundational as that revelation, that's how you're going to be. So now let's go back to Matthew in light of that. Let's read this part in verse 19. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, binding something on the earth, what's he talking about there? Is he talking about binding something physical? No. But there are things at work on the earth. And he gave authority to his disciples over serpents and scorpions, over things about, of the enemy. And he said, if you bind it on earth... It'll be bound in heaven. Now, he's not talking about heaven as in his, his kingdom heaven, but in the heavenlies. There's a connection between what is being bound on earth and what is being bound in heaven. Well, what is in the heaven? Who is in the heavenlies? The Bible talks about principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now, that's not in the third heaven where God is. That's in the lower heaven. But there are things that are being bound on earth that are resulting in things being bound in heaven. Do you see that? Because something is bound on earth, as a result, it's bound in heaven, something being loosed on earth has to do with things being loosed in heaven. So what's happening here can affect what's happening there. And whether it's binding or loosing. So what does this have to do with waiting? What does this have to do with waiting on the Lord? When, when we agree as touching something on the earth, what did Jesus say? Anybody who agrees as touching something on the earth, it will be done for them. Does that mean we're going to see the result immediately? No. But when we are agreeing as touching something on the earth, in his name, we're binding it on earth. But there's still a waiting period between things being bound in heaven and the manifestation of that. There's a connection there. But there's a waiting period but before we see the manifestation of it on earth. Let me give you a scriptural example of what I'm talking about. And this will be uh, just about my last scripture here. In Daniel chapter 10, uh, it says this, in, uh, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the uh, 
appointed time was long. The, the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision in those days. I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So what's he doing? He's waiting. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, uh, I was by the side of the great river. What's interesting, I'm not trying to get into the whole Bible numbers thing, but a lot of times the number 24 has some significance in the Bible. Um, you see Genesis 24 is about Isaac and Rebekah, which is a type of the, the body of Christ and Jesus. And in Psalm 24, it's all about the open door and the king of glory coming in. And uh, Psalm 72 lists 24 things that Christ will do dur- during his millennial reign. And uh, we see that in this verse, it was on the 24th day that there was a breakthrough. And also, there are 24 elders around God's heavenly throne. Now, you say, what does that mean, Ben? I don't know. I just thought I'd point it out to you. Uh, I think it might be significant, though. Uh, Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. His body also was like the barrel, not like Cracker Barrel, but B-E-R-Y-L. I think it's like like a diamond. And his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. Now this kind of sounds like the description of Jesus in Revelations. I don't believe it's talking about Jesus here, but there's a similarity here. Uh, The glory of God was on him. And it says his voice was like the voice of a multitude. And I alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a a great... A great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision. And watch this. There remained no strength in me. What do we talk about? Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. He said, there remained no strength in me. He said, I retained no strength. He said, when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face. You know, people say you shouldn't fall asleep during prayer. Well, Daniel did it. But he said, my face was toward the ground and behold, a hand touched me, which set me up on my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for unto you am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I am come for your words. In other words, his words did something in the heavenlies. He bound something on earth, and it was bound in the heavenlies. Something he did on earth affected what was happening in the heavenlies. But watch this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make you understand what shall befall your people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And he said, when he had spoken these words to me, I set my face toward the ground and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips and opened my mouth. He says it again, I retained no strength. 
and there remained in me no strength, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a son of man, and he strengthened me and said, O greatly beloved man, fear not, peace be unto you, be strong, yes, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Oh, come on. Do you see this? Daniel had no more strength. He was weak. Why? He's been waiting. <laughs> He's going through this moment of weakness and waiting these 21 days to see the manifestation of his prayers. But then this angel appeared to him and strengthened him. He spoke words of strength into him and said, We've heard your prayer. There's been war in the heavenlies over this. But because you did that on earth, come on, something happened in the heavenlies. But there's been this waiting. There's been this time of waiting. There's been this time of war in the heavenlies. But now we're coming to strengthen you. This happened to Jesus after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and resisted Satan's temptation. What's that? Binding things on earth. Oh, come on. When you resist temptation, you just bound something on earth. Come on. When, when you don't give in to wrong spirits, you bound something on earth. When you don't give in to the pressure of people, you just bound something on earth. And something's happened in the heavenlies, but it doesn't manifest right away. It doesn't happen right away, but from the first day, it sets something in motion. Just like when Jesus waited where he was for two days and spoke the word that said, This sickness will not be unto death, but for the glory of God. What did he do? He bound something on earth, but he waited until the right time. Then he went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. You see the weight that's involved in the manifestation of glory here. And, and at the end of this time, what happened? He was strengthened. Something came into him. Something was quickened in him, and he renewed his strength. You know, we read this in Isaiah. It says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Well, you know, there are people who are, quote-unquote, waiting for things, or praying for things, or believing for things, but what is an evidence of when you're actually waiting on the Lord, when you're actually waiting in the right way? You're renewing your strength. Yes, stuff's coming against you. Yes, stuff's trying to drain you. Yes, stuff's trying to persecute you. But every time you come back to the fountain, you're renewed. You're refreshed. You're strengthened. You come back to the words that he spoke to you, and they strengthen you, and they renew you, and they refresh you. And now I'm good again. I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to stand some more. I'm ready to fight some more. I'm not out of the ring. I'm not down and out. I'm doing good. I'm excited again. I'm renewing my strength. So don't get discouraged when you don't see the manifestation of things right away. We don't look at the things which are seen because they're temporary. We look at those things which are not seen. We wait upon the Lord. We believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And He renews our strength. He strengthens us. We're talking about for this cause. When your cause is the glory of God and you are living for Him and to do His will, not your own, not the will of people, then there's a strength that comes along with that. There is a sustaining that comes along with that. And it doesn't always show up right away. But if you'll wait on the Lord and wait in the Lord, you will be strengthened. 
If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that before I end this podcast. Um, I'm not going to lead you in a, in a prayer, but uh, you just reach out of your own accord. and you, you tell the Lord that you believe in him. You tell Jesus that you believe in him. You tell him that you want him as the Lord of your life and as your Savior. You tell him that you want to spend eternity with him. You reach out. It's his heart that, uh, it's your heart, excuse me, that he's looking for, that he wants. That's the thing he's after. And uh, don't delay. Don't put it off. Time is short. Uh, Time is going by. And this is the most important thing you can know is that I am born again. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I am going to heaven to be with him. And I encourage you to do that today if you haven't done it. But for now, thank you for listening to the No Content Podcast. I hope you got something out of this today. And I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.